make my speech and we are live ladies and gentlemen welcome to snap the saturday night adult party where you get to join an interesting conversation about sexuality and relationships from a blind perspective i am your host victor gouvea and my co-host is here with me monica jones how are Good you monica? evening and how was your sex this week? Uh, the same as last week. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a couple of special guests, uh, Renee and David Pavlis. How are you guys? How are we? I'm fine. We're good. We're, good. we're okay. old, but we're good. Good thing. That's a good thing. Good old things. <laughs> now, before we get started, I should say that Snap is sponsored by Eden Fantasies. If, uh, please see the description box below uh, if you want to get some great adult toys at a really cheap price. Go tell them and make sure you use Happy Fall, all one word, uh, to get a 15% discount. Uh, and they're having an 80% site-wide sale. So go check them out, especially if you want to upgrade your sex experience. Anybody want to loan me some money? <laughs> I could go there and have a ball. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that later then. <laughs> well, I just said something sparked my thought here. We were talking about pebbles, and the Flintstones obviously come to mind. Did Bedrock ever have a gay community? Oh, David. <laughs> I don't think so. No. Think, you never heard of a Chinatown in Bedrock? No, we never did. You know, there was a lot of untold stories there. There was. You you are correct, sir. There were swingers clubs in Bedrock. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, um, club or whatever they called the club well, that yeah. uh, Fred would go to with Barney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have to I have to give my spiel, of course. Remember, if you like what you're about to hear, activate the like button and share it with your friends and families, especially if you think they can benefit from anything that's said here. And subscribe. Remember to hit the activation button. Sorry. Remember to activate the notification bell so you know when we go live or upload a new video. And the subscribe button. Well, I said subscribe, didn't I? <laughs> My goodness. So, and don't forget, we are streaming on on our Facebook page, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? And on Twitter, at Blind Whose. That's B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E. Uh, and if you don't like any of those platforms, you can always catch us on podcasts, though we won't be live on those. Uh, if you have an iDevice, a Windows device, a android device or an amazon device you can catch us on google Podcasts, uh, spotify apple podcast anchor and of course amazon podcasts so if you ask alexa to play whose blind life is it anyway she'll actually go out and find it for you and she'll play till she runs out <laughs> and she will yes uh at moment we are at 188 episodes so we're growing uh, lastly, if you guys want a copy of the audio or video of this recording or any recording that's broadcast on the network, 
send us an email, whoseblindlifeisitanyway at gmail.com, and I'll send you a link to the folder on Dropbox that houses all the episodes we house here in both video and audio format. Now, this is a rather dismal piece of information I've gleaned. The national average in the U.S. in terms of length of marriage is eight years. Eight years. I'm not surprised. And the largest average is in actually New York State, which actually has an average of 12 years. I thought you were going to say Tennessee. No, <laughs> Tennessee. Cause, cause my always, goodness. You always pick on Tennessee. <laughs> well, I mean, New York State is fairly populous, so I wonder if the population has anything to do with it, right? I'd say it does. Yeah. Um, having said that, we are interviewing David and Renee because <sighs> they've actually been married for 40 years, over 40 years. And we want to hear, <clears throat> excuse me, we want to hear all your secrets about how you managed to stay married, married all these years, how you, well, keep the home fires burning, so to speak. If you keep the home fires burning. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Do you guys keep the home fires burning? I guess so. I, depends what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> now, David, I don't well, take they're it. They're not as hot as they used well, to be. A marriage is, home fires burning is only a small part of what a, what I think, and I, this is my opinion. <laughs> excuse, excuse. The home fires um, burning part is only a, it, it's only a part of it. Okay. There's commitment. There's obviously, if you got kids involved, uh, you got that. And, you know, and by the way, when I did get married, I stood before a crowd of people. And I say crowd. There was quite a few there in the church. 150, 200 people. And yeah. I gave some vows. And, um, but I think, because what you're alluding to here is it's unusual that we've been married over 40 years, but I don't know. There's, if you look around, my oh, here we go. My older sister, who's two years older than me, they've been married for coming up on fifty years. Um, oh well, they're not blind, are they? My no, they're not. <laughs> and, uh, my oldest sister, whose husband is eighty, I think. Apologize. <laughs> see, they got married in sixty-two. So what the heck would that be coming up on? Wait, they got married in sixty-two. Yep. And, so that's uh, just under 55 years. Yeah, yeah. So I I think there's, you know, the average marriage is only six years or eight years. Well, it might be the average if you take New York City itself or maybe. Oh, please. Or some, <laughs> and I don't want to dog down the cities. I mean, in other words, but, but we're also the generation that, you know, Back at the time that, like, like in 1962, when my sister got married, and, and people who were people who got divorced around in that time, that was like a scarlet letter. 
on you. Well, not quite. Well, it was it was unusual. It's not like the 1920s or 10s. Um, but as time went by, I think people who met each other and decided they wanted to get married because uh, obviously they wanted to they wanted to get the home party going. Yeah, but we did it the blind way. And See? My, my point is, <laughs> my point is, I think yeah, when 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 you when you take that, and this is just again my opinion because I've never done a, a a poll on this. When you take people whose marriage only lasts seven or eight years or four years or five years, um, that just simply means that the two people didn't get to know each other well enough before they made that commitment. Well, we had some, but. I'm sorry. Mom. I mean, well, oh, well, here, you know, and here, when I first moved, moved out to Utah, Utah's a Mormon community. You know, we think that we we think of Mormon people as uh, straight lace and everything's prim and proper, and for the most part, it is. But one of the things that they that they uh, obviously don't promote is sex before marriage. Right. Very good about keeping their kids in line about that for as long as they can. Well, they marry very young but, too. So we have, we have very young university out here and they have what they call the BYU honeymoon. That means these young kids who are away from home to first year in college, they meet somebody in September and by Christmas time, they're getting married because obviously, you know, mother nature is just beating them over the head. with the Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and those are the marriages that, I'm not going to, I don't look at percentages of those that don't last, but I would suspect there's quite a few that, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's a lot of time to get to know someone to say, hey, we're, we want to go through everything in our life and good and bad and tough it out. Well, I've got an interesting question for you then. Do you think a marriage can survive? Just having good sex. No. No. You can have good sex with anybody. Well, I mean, I you can stay single and do that. I'm not yeah, sure it's I mean, good sex. <laughs> you know, good well, sex. Listen, good sex or bad, good or bad, it's that's a nature thing. Okay, okay that's but not, that's not so much about uh, commitment and, and all that other stuff that we we hope goes into a lifetime of commitment. It certainly helps if it all works out, but you know, sex is like anything else. I mean, it's at first, uh, you know, it's like there's a joke that um, oh gosh, that we used to tell where the first year you get married, you put a a nickel or a quarter in the jar every time you have sex. So after the first year, you've barely got fifty five cents. No, no, you're cut. The thing's full. But then they say after the first year or <laughs> the first two years, every time you have sex, you take take out the quarter or whatever denomination. Uh -huh. say, some people never never get it empty, never empty it out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I, I want to. I, I, I'll just say, good sex is not a guarantee of a good marriage. Okay, that, that's my opinion. But I, but I, I here, I'm the I'm the philosophical person okay okay and i'm uh, as i will probably come on in my own podcast at some point um i'm was trained in psychology and i'm an unlicensed master's degree clinician 
Mm-hmm. And they say, and I wish I'd done some brought some research to the conversation, but that may be for another day. Uh, they say that with women, it's more within the feeling, it's more within the head, it's more within the touch, it's more within the emotions. I whereas, agree with you. Whereas with men, maybe as they get older, but as a young man, usually it's more reaction action. And um, I, I, I think that's part of biology that, and, and that has nothing to do with being blind uh, or anything, except back in the nineties, I did a seminar. I was at a seminar where they talked about how people with multiple disabilities, uh, how they are able to, uh, have sex or how they're able to experience the sex act or uh, even times when in under certain circumstances uh, they even have to have a monitor with them to help them figure it out you know like somebody who's there as an aide uh, I, I, I don't mean a, a equipment or or any kind of appliance I'm talking about a person a person yeah and that opened my eyes up to so much, uh, metaphorically, because I started to understand that it is definitely, at least for women, it's about the feeling, like if you're angry at your mate, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever, you're angry, it's very hard to turn off that switch for a lot of women. Yeah. Where with men. Tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And with men, uh, as long as everything works out like it, should uh as long as they get a hint or they get a touch or they get a, a view or they get something they're off the races and so the, the psychology of sexuality to me is extremely interesting from us well i mean i'm not <clears throat> excuse me i'm not sure that you can say that now in the in this day and age maybe not mostly because I mean, there's a new there's a new species of men called metrosexual. Yes, definitely. And they are men that are in touch with their feminine side. Uh huh. I've got got a young relative that I think is metrosexual. Yeah, and and they are sensitive to women's feelings, very empathic, Mm -hmm. uh, very caring, very emotional. They're not afraid to show their emotions. Where are they at? (laughs) Well, well, you're talking to one, Monica. There you go. Well, you're kind of taken, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, us guys, we're not supposed to show our emotions. Oh, David. Jeez. Because you got to be a man, you know. That's true. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of men feel that way. It has changed. I and I don't. I don't think my child would mind me sharing this, but I. I hope not, Megan. If you do, it's too late now. Uh, <laughs> I have a daughter who's uh, who's who's gay. We have a okay. daughter who's gay, lesbian. Is she um, out? Of, uh, is she formally she, out of the closet? Yes, it's been about eight years. So she shouldn't mind. I mean, come on. No, 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 no. But I just don't know. It's a private thing, and and whether. Well, you know. But she's married. She has two stepchildren. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we just attended the wedding in April, and um, I don't talk to her about that way of 
you know, that, that aspect because I don't talk to my, uh, I have a daughter who's uh, 40, who's uh, married and has three beautiful children as well. And uh, I don't talk to her about it either because mom's a bit of a prude. Cause I don't right. know what my kids are doing. Mm. Frankly, I, I don't know a lot of parents that do, but um, I guess the point of my conversation is that you got to be able to be open and you got to be able to be acceptant and you got to be able to, to love regardless of what people's orientation. Can I add an antidote to that story? Yeah. Okay. So when my daughter, I still remember I'm sitting on the front porch and she pulls up in her car and she goes, Dan, I got to, I got to talk to you. I got to tell you something. This is like eight, 10 years ago. Yeah, it's about eight, 10 years ago. And I says, what's going on, Maggie? She comes up on the porch and she wasn't too hesitant, but a little bit. She goes, I'm gay, Dad. So I get up and I go over and hug her. I'm so, I'm somewhat surprised. I, well. I, I, well, She's not the belle of the ball, but she's not. She's a beautiful she, she young woman. Date, date a lot of guys out here. She did go to her high school prom, but uh, I said, "But you're still my daughter. It doesn't matter to me whether you're gay or not." Now, yeah. but I, there's a step further about that. So my 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 oldest daughter, who has a family, and she married a young man, a Mormon man, and. Um, I think that, I don't think they're practicing. They're not practicing now, but they're you know they, they have three kids. Mm -hmm. So my daughter says to me, Mary says to me, "Yeah, Dad." She goes, "I'm I'm okay about Megan being gay." I says, "You are." She goes, "Yeah." I says, "Well, let me set a scenario for you. It's, let's see how comfortable you are because there is some uncomfortableness around that. Should be, but there is. Yeah." And the point I made to her was, I says, okay, Mary, I says, what about your in-laws who are practicing Mormons from your cradle? Well, they don't have to be. They can be of any denomination. Uh, any nice person. people. I says, so if Megan, uh, if, if you were holding a birthday party and, and um, you know, your husband's family was there and they're, they're all straight-laced people, and I says, uh, if Megan came in holding hands in other words, if she showed her outright gayness, how'd you feel about that? And she goes, I see what you mean, Dad. <laughs> so um, when, when someone comes out, yeah, we, we're, we can all sit here and say, yeah, we're okay with it. Of course, she's my daughter. I'm never going to. Well, some but, people do. But there's a, there's a little bit of that component about we all worry about what other people are going to think. And how she's going to be treated. Yeah, yeah. I was a little concerned about life, that at the well, beginning, we only because of her, not because, because I was Renee, ashamed of her. Renee, uh, Megan asked, asked Renee to keep it quiet. <laughs> Thanks, and, David. And Renee goes, "Okay, no problem." Well, For a little while, till she got adjusted. Over, I was having a conversation with her sister back east, and two sisters in this big Italian family. Uh, they actually are quicker than digital information. If you know yeah. And Megan was a little annoyed about that uh, because um, she she and she wanted to tell people she knew on her own time and terms, and so that's 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 kind of what it's about, you know. It's you know, it's, it's not going to change how a person feels about themselves and their mate and all that, but they need the time and the space to put that out there because uh, you know the world's not 
the, the world as a whole doesn't embrace all gay people. It should. And I'm only saying that because, hey, my daughter's gay. Mm -hmm. But we, we've always tried... I don't know what the point of all that. I, I was just trying to point out that um, it's it was easy for me because that's my daughter. No, nothing's going to come between that. But Nor should it. But, no, it, should. but, it, but it is a... You, now you've got to think, okay, who can I tell this to and be comfortable with it? Because not everybody is. But um, one of the things that we did with our kids, and I, 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 going back here, having I, I just read a post today on Facebook about a woman who was kind of saying she didn't know whether she wanted to become a mom when it was part of her uh, perspective on life or part of the way that she wanted life to be because she was raised in a family where um, it, 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 having kids and taking care of them was a chore, a duty rather than a privilege oh. mm -hmm. or rather than something that you choose. And not, not everybody wants that responsibility. Well, no, no, no. But my, my point of the conversation here is that, and I wrote back to her and I, you know, I always wear my counselor hat here. And I said to her, you know, you've got to feel comfortable within yourself. And you have to understand where those feelings came from. Uh, if you were raised in a family where the oldest kids raised the youngest kids and uh, whatever, 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 or a family where a lot of responsibility was put on an older child. Well, you see, I always wanted to be a parent. I also wanted to be a psychologist. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to be a parent from the time I can remember. And... Um, there was none of this until I got older. There was none of this, well, you can't parent because you can't see. Or you can't parent because um, you deal with clinical depression or whatever the issue is. And for me, those are issues, including the fact that I'm a cancer survivor and some other small things. Oh, um, yeah. I'm pretty well fortunate, like almost 16 years now. Anyway, um, but I guess what I'm saying is it was always in my heart and soul to become a parent. And when I met David, I was engaged to another guy that I broke up with two months later. I guess I'm very fickle. And uh, uh -huh. uh, the one thing that attracted me with David was that he was from a large family like I was. I was from a family of of eight children. He was from a family of 10 children. Although he was raised on a farm and I wasn't, I was raised in uh, Rhode Island on the, on the ocean where the ocean is on the coast. And um, I, I knew that when I picked a mate, and this is so funny because now that we're older, it's very different. But I knew when I picked a mate that I wanted somebody who also wanted a family, but was, was going to be a loving, caring dad. Right. And David has been. Yeah. Now, as far as a mate goes, we're very different in so many very basic ways. I mean, we, we are just like chalk and cheese or the opposite of chalk and cheese. I'm not sure what the, the, the scenario is. But um, he is a very down to earth, very basic person, very black and white. I'm always in the clouds. And I'm always coming up with new ideas and new things and new people and you know, and it's really funny because as a, as a young couple, it worked out because we both wanted children. Um, a couple things happened with that, though, and I, I I have to, I don't know if I have the right to say this, but I guess I'm going to say it. 
the blindness came in in, in a couple ways. First of all, before we got married, and David has four siblings, three siblings who are also legally blind, although they do all see. Well, two of them are deceased now, but they do all see. Okay, out of 10 kids, four of them had visual impairments, and he can explain more about that. But they, they were legally blind. They weren't totally blind. Mm. I wasn't totally blind, but I became totally blind quickly. So, you know, for me, it was different. And his mom, and I really understand why she felt this way, because in some ways she was very truthful and very right. She was concerned about us getting married as a blind couple. And Do you think she had a right to be concerned? Yeah, I think she kind of did. But I'm looking at it as an old lady now. I'm not looking at it as 23 or 25 years old. At sure. that time, no. At that time, um, I felt rejected. I felt, why aren't I accepted? What did I do? What didn't I do? Et cetera, et cetera. Because I'm blind. And I wasn't totally blind, but pretty well vision. So you might as well say I had all the Braille skills and the blindness skills. So I was pretty much functioning as a blind person. And how did how did your husband take that? I mean, that's the question. It took him a while. You have to ask him, but it took him a while to. It took a while to work out. You want to talk? Well, I just had to decide. Um, my mother made it obvious that um, back then I was. And here's the other thing: I was. We weren't teenagers. I was in my late twenties. So. Um, but my mother was right. She asked the, the uh, well, how are you guys going to do this and how are you going to do that? And, well, I'd seen other blind people function. I wasn't too. But my but my mother and my my people that and the rest of the family never saw us as blind people. They never saw me as a blind person. Right. I mean, we had bad eyes. We had visual impairments. Bad eyes. Isn't that awful? No, no, but listen to me. <laughs> Because I lived on a farm, I ran farm equipment. I did everything but drive. A, I couldn't drive a vehicle down the road legally, but I could do these other things. Now, if it come reading, if it come to reading directions on something, yeah, I had to get, I had to get magnification and all that. So, because I was able to function and do that, and by the way, I, I was a mechanic, um, which took me longer to do things. But I was working for the state of New York. They didn't care how long it took you to do anything. So there time. were there were factors that kind of. There were factors about me that kind of muted the blind stigma. Yeah, but I think there was something else going on too because I, I'm a um, bless you, um, ADD kind of person. So when his mother met me, I was probably all over the place. Oh, my, my, mother saw, my mother thought she was kind of ditzy, too, too open, and ditzy because <laughs> well, no, but. But, but my wife's family is that way. They tell everybody everything. They're this open community, this Italian community. <laughs> Which is totally the opposite of what Italians do. Yeah. It's totally the opposite of what Europeans do. Italian, it was like my, you know, my mom my, my, was not Italian. My wife's family, my mother-in-law was only nine years older than my oldest sister. So there's like a, like Renee's family wasn't, uh, Renee's mom wasn't my mother's generation. They're about a half a generation mm -hmm. younger. His right. sister's almost 80. So I'm 66, and I'm the lived, oldest in my family. Because they lived in Rhode Island, they were more open about many things, including 
pot and things like that. Well, it was a time. Well, it was a time, but but we never got into that. We were my parents didn't tolerate a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. My yeah. point is, so there was this difference in openness, and that's I think that kind of scared her. It did scare her, but the blindness I think was the key thing, and she was right in one area. I was raised in a family. They were they were they were blue collar workers basically and at, by the time my generation came up they were starting to go to college and educate themselves beyond the blue collar field but basically i was raised in a family where my dad was kind of entrepreneurial like he owned restaurants mm -hmm. and so i expected a certain status or way of life as far as economically sure you know, there's always another apple on the tree in the backyard to pick right well life didn't turn out that way well, so i think there was a little concerned about his ability to provide financially for me and maybe children. Well, it was right. it was hard because I. Uh, it was hard. Well, here's a good example about how the Commission for the Blind in New York State worked. So I went to this rehab center in Albany, New York, and my family thought it was wonderful that this state of New York's going to help you do this and do that. Oh yeah. Well, listen. <laughs> You know it, girl. So they had a, job, uh -huh. they had a counselor. I don't know what his credentials were. He was, he was a funny guy. We got along good. But he had been there enough years where he established a relationship with these personnel department commissioners within the state of New York around, the, you know, the, the capital and the, you know, region. So when it comes to me getting a job, well, I was I learned small engine repair. Well, we, I, I talked to so-and-so uh, over at... Uh, they, they need one down in uh, general services that took care of the grounds. But they don't have the money to pay right now, but you're going to get your job. There's a cleaning title out of another department, transportation. But it's a cleaning title. It's not a, it's not a mechanic title. So I went to work being paid like a janitor, but I was doing mechanic work. Ah. Then then about two or three years later, a year or two later, when they, when they, they found a position, a uh, mechanics helper uh, then I got that and then I did I was like that for about four or five years and then I, I wanted to go up to the next grade but I missed one point on the uh, on the civil service exam and, and there was no nothing for his and, disability they had no or that, nothing you know, there, there was so a, he could have extra time or any of those so things. okay but I'm just telling so you. so um, <laughs> I tried to make arrangements to allow more time on the exam well when I got there the the um, Exam, I knew nothing about it. So what am I going to do? I just went ahead with the test. But there were some things I didn't know, uh, reading my chronometer and things of that nature. So I missed the, I missed it by one point. Um, but the, but the funny part is, in the eyes of the state of New York and the Commission for the Blind, that was a success story because, by the way, I went through the small enter program, and I was there for eight or nine months, and I had a job with the state of New York. I don't think it was advertised that I was getting paid a cleaner's title. That up, that going up the grade, I was I did become a mechanic helper. That was on me, not on them. Right. And, and that's and by the way, that's the way a lot of those jobs, at least around the Albany, New York area, and, and I'm sure throughout the state of New York, these job placement counselors, they they probably got a, a, a at that time probably in a. a Probably a, uh, what am I trying to say, Renee? What, kickback? Uh, uh, no, they had a, BF, oh, a oh. bachelor's degree. If they were oh, lucky. oh, okay, okay. Uh, maybe some okay. an associate. 
in sociology. Yeah, or yeah, there was a lot of BS there. I get it. Yeah, and, and so that's how that worked. So I wasn't making a ton of money with the state of New York. So that was a real concern. So that was a concern. What made her family? Uh, oh, something else happened to Upwardly her. was that Renee wanted to, after Mary was born, she wanted to live near her family. That's true. So then again, she was a pusher. She got hold of the, uh, I don't know if it was the Commission for the Blind or whatever Vermont, Vermont called theirs. Because I always made the remark, I worked on all this equipment. I says, well, gee, I'd like to know how to design this. So well, there's an engineering school up in Vermont, up, up the boondocks. They have a two-year associate program, engineering. I got accepted into that. I took the entrance exam and got accepted. And I don't know to this day how because my... I couldn't get, I'm lucky I had a 50, 50% on the algebra New York State Regents exam <laughs> back in high school. So yeah. I think there was a lot of manipulation going like when a blind person applies to a college and they know it's a blind person. I don't know how what gets manipulated, but I certainly don't think I had the grace to get in there, but yet I did. Is it because that college, in a, that college was, a, I think it was a state of Vermont funded somehow but did that college say well wait a minute we have a guaranteed tuition payment coming down the pike they didn't care whether i made it well you're kind of jaded huh i think you're kind of jaded okay, but that's I'm, just I'm, me. I'm trying to hear their, what they're saying okay um so so that's kind of how my life worked and but but uh going to vermont was more of a guise to get me near the family because she didn't want to raise the kids away from the family and then i worked yeah. around a family restaurant for a while um, but that's why her parents were so successful because they got into the food business and the restaurant businesses. I mean, you don't need a you don't need a degree in rocket science to run a restaurant. You do have to have business sense and you hire a bookkeeper, and so the financial end gets. I mean, you, you got to do a good job with food with that, and they did that. But this this restaurant was like a. You know, it wasn't like a four star, five star. It served three meals a day. You had a. A, a diner a breakfast counter in the morning and a, 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 a small dining room around you know for the early afternoon folks and then they had a full service dining room in the evening so right so, so they were able to make a pretty good living at that well i expected and they that. had also he had they had they had when i met renee they had they had also were in rhode island they had a they had a restaurant on the beach in, at matunic beach which was seasonal but they made very good money in those from uh from uh, Memorial Day to Labor Day. Right, right. And then it was so successful that, you know, they could, my, my father and mother take, took the winter off. They didn't have to work. I mean, they, they would have if they could have, but, uh, and they, they had other uh, endeavors too. They had some rental property or something. But so, so they were pretty successful compared to what I was. And I think I expected that in a way. It was still back in the day where women were just getting on their feet. Uh, right. 1980, where 1981, where women were, you know, and I, I had to make a choice. And although I continued in college for a long time, in fact, I've got about 12 years of college behind my belt. You got a lifetime. College. Yeah, but nothing to show. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's another story. I but, like, uh, I'd like to interject another thought about marriage in here because I didn't want to get off the beaten path. And then I want to say something after he does. Um, another reason I think marriages last so short compared to maybe i mean it, it, you gotta understand it's also the time we live in but i think more thought goes in a driver's license preparation than a marriage license 
You think so? He's always well, it's, said uh, that. it's up to the individuals. He's to, always said that. I don't know. Well, I've always said that because, uh, you know, two people got together. Well, how long you guys know? Oh, well, we met a couple of months ago and we decided we'd get married. And what do you have in common? Well, we'll figure that out as time goes along. Yeah, actually, we have a comment well, to, to that. Driver's license, yeah, you have to that's scary. <laughs> we actually have a comment to that effect from uh, Laura Cavanaugh. Uh oh. So people are hearing about what I'm saying. Yeah, no one rates uh, marriage anymore. They throw it away like a simple breakup. Yeah. Do you agree it's, with that? I think that I I think a society used to be like I said, a divorce in the early '60s and '50s was like people people didn't even talk about it they talk well if you were abused that's true no 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 but i'm saying people say well you know so-and-so is divorced now but it's not like they came out i mean eventually the news got out where today it's like it's accepted oh well it didn't work out so they were running together two years you know well for one three thing, years five years whatever we came from another and i think i think hollywood and the tv and our media also well, it's just it's just acceptable. But we don't have the stigma that they used to have. And there's some other things going on, too. People yeah. have been taught over the years to self-actualize or to become um, or to be true to themselves. And it's a fine line between that and truth to your mate or truth to your family. I know we, we've had this as an issue lately because, like I said, my needs and what I want for the rest of my life is so much different than his. So we're trying to compromise, but it's very difficult because I'm I'm ready to fly and I'm ready to go back to New England and I'm ready to do this and that and the other. And, you know, he's very settled here in Utah with his children and grandchildren. Hey, I was settled in Vermont. I know, I know. You're just that kind of man. I was but, settled in wherever I go, I settled so, in it, it, it's, but, I, but I'm to the point now where my kids are here, my grandkids are here. You don't want to keep moving. I I'm get tired that. Of I'm yeah. tired of moving. It, it's been difficult because I I am ready to um, go back to New England and I'm ready. No, to, other, I'm ready to live. I'm ready to go back and and buy, be by coastal if we could financially afford it. Well, the other thing is uh, that concerns me about moving away from my family, like on the other side of the continent. I'm not that financially well off where I can just afford to get on an airplane and come see my grandkids and my kids. Well, that's another issue. Yeah. But Renee will look at it like, well, if we want to do that, we'll figure it out. Well, to Renee, mm -hmm. figure it out means I'll call up my sister and borrow the money from her. No. Well, there's a <laughs> no, 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 no. no, stop it, David. Right now, if you had to borrow, if you had to go fly somewhere, you got to borrow the money from somebody or put it on your credit card. In the bank, but that's well, that's no, no, that's that's a different situation. But I'm saying, uh, you know, sorry, um, up till two years ago, her father was living, and if she wanted to come see him, oh, he'd buy her the airplane. Let's ticket. not go there, okay? And do you want to know why I wouldn't come with her for like 15 years? I said, I don't want to fly on someone else's time, and I, and I wouldn't do it. So, so that was important to you, to him. Well, I mean, I look at it this way. <laughs> Um, I could fly there, and then uh, there's another member of the family who was managing his financial affairs. So whatever oh, we okay, borrow, okay, okay, let's. Well, no, because and that's that's the dynamics of this is somewhere down the road, the word gets out that well, yeah, 
That's on dad's dime. But really, you know, relationships, yeah, that is important. relationships do flow and ebb. And, um, we, but that's your business. Right. But one of the things that happens yeah. that I want to talk about, and this has to do with sexuality and children and all that. I'll be right back. Um, one of the things that happened in my family, and it, my extended family, and it kind of happened in David's family, but not so much. It was mostly my family. We had three. We were having our third child. Bye. Bye. Honey. Where are you going? And our, Bye. 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 And I guess my grandson's oh, okay. going up for a little bit. Anyway, um, my, um, David, would you shut the door, please? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, hold on, I need to shut the door because my grandson's going to be in and out. And um, but one of the things he's more concerned that the toilet's not running. But anyway, um, it's one of the things that we faced was I was expecting my third child. My first child and my second child were four and a half years apart. My third child, I, I became pregnant almost immediately after having the second child. My second wow. boy. Okay. And my family was extremely concerned how we would handle a family with three children or more. Well, <laughs> I yeah. would have had more than four. I would have had four probably. Not, not and this is, this is aside from the normal stigma? Well, it has to do with the blindness. So, okay. Uh, I was at home with the kids, raising them and mom and all that stuff. And that's what I wanted to do along with volunteer work and uh, going in and out of graduate school and things like that. But I was told that it wasn't fair for me to have a, I was expecting the third child. And I was told after having the third child that I had to do something permanent not to have the fourth child. And the reason why I had to do something permanent to stop having more children was because it wasn't fair to David and it wasn't fair economically and it just wasn't how could we support more than a couple kids. Now, who well, I would have a fit if somebody well, told me that. This was so devastating to me. Who I told you this? My family, my brothers, my sisters, my oh, okay. father, my relatives. Uh, so it wasn't an actual medical Opinion. No, no, there was no medical reason. Well, I had C-sections, uh, so right. cesarean sections, but no, there was no real medical. I was very fortunate and blessed to carry healthy children. Mm. And I, to me, it was a gift from the gods, so to speak, that I was able, that we were so fortunate. So when I expected Christopher, he's my, my son in the middle, between my two girls, everybody was at me, Renee. You have to do something. You can't have more children. It's not fair. It's not fair to David. He can't support. Now, David was working minimum wage jobs, a little below for minimum wage, but not much. And David was working those jobs so he could keep our social security. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole issue that we've talked about a lot on a lot of these shows. Because yeah. the government said you could earn so much, and if you earn over a certain amount, we'll take it away. We needed it to raise the kids, and we needed it for me to stay home and be with the kids. And so he was always marginalized because of what he could or could not earn. So my family's attitude was, it's not fair to do that to David. You guys can't handle more than what you have. But it was because we were blind. Not because Renee was inadequate 
or not because of other things. So I had Christopher and I ripped up the papers to sign to have a tubal ligation operation because I C-sectioned Chris. So it would have been easy to go in and uh, Jeanette to take care of what needed to be done so that I couldn't have any more children. Sure. I ripped up the paper that day because I, I, I just, I wanted one more girl. So I got pregnant, not purposely. I got pregnant like six, eight months later. Chris and Megan were like 14 months apart in age. So it was like having twins almost. But I was so overjoyed because, I mean, this is something I did equal to other women. Right. It didn't matter whether I was blind or purple or cranberry or whatever. It was But equality. they make it that way. It was equality. Mm -hmm. And it was also a sense of who I was because I had always wanted a family. So I had C-section to Megan and I'd signed the papers because I felt driven into it because everybody was on my back to the point where it was never ending through that whole pregnancy that I wasn't fair for me to make up my own mind and for David to make up his own mind that they had to tell us what was right for us. Right, right. So I signed the papers to have a tubal ligation operation with Megan. From the minute I signed them for like five years, I went through a terrible depression. I practically had a nervous breakdown, you might say. Yeah. And I, I, what I'm saying to you is as a woman, and, and, and obviously, you know, I mean, your situation is probably different. But as a woman, I felt almost mentally raped i felt like my yes i can see that i felt like part of the best part of who i was was taken away because i gave it away so right. I, couldn't, I couldn't go back to my church at the time i was mm -hmm. roman catholic i couldn't everybody kept saying well it's different for you because you're blind you're blind and so and it, 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 it there was a rift between him he, me and him because I thought he would know better than to say to me, Renee, you don't have to do it. It's okay. Well, I he did first time. Well, you did once or twice, but then you gave a long. Uh, I my opinion was that you gave in and said. When you agreed to something after the, having disagreed twice, I figured you'd made up your mind. Well, I was doing it because I was trying to do the best thing for you, and I was trying to. The people were telling me it was the right I thing to do. Along the lines, you need to have someone to put it on besides yourself. No, David. In my heart. I died. So I guess my well, point. Well, no, I get the part that you died, but you convinced yourself that it was okay to do I it. I tried to convince myself. Okay. And so you might as well say I went through a mourning period after having my. Yeah, birthday. I understand. And some people can say, well, you know, you have three kids. Be blessed. You're lucky. I was blessed. It was the choices that were made or that were that were thought about because I was blind. Yeah. That's, my, that's the point of my conversation here. Yeah. I mean, before I ask my next question, uh, we have another comment from Annabelle uh, who says marriage is about acceptance, understanding each other, forgiveness, and a whole other laundry list of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with her. She's, I mean, she's been very accepting of me and forgiving. God bless her. And uh, a lot of people have questioned her for it. Why should they, though, if that's in her heart? 
But that's just it. People don't understand her method. Maybe she comes from a different culture where they have different feelings and different ways of looking at things. She does. She does. And I think we need to accept that and we need to, we, we need to really, you know, as a psychologist, as a counselor, as a therapist, whatever you want to call me, mm-hmm. I understand a lot about those things. And I know that feelings and needs and wants and wishes are so important. And we come from different cultures and backgrounds and we have to validate that. Right. And that, I mean, I was, I mean, now that I got that out of the way, I have to ask, I mean, how was baby care between the two of you? I was pretty hands-on. He was pretty hands-on, but he went to work all day. But I did, I did go, I was out of the house quite a bit today. What I did, what I took comfort in knowing was, uh, because we lived near her family, but then later on, we didn't we, live right close to but them. But then later on, we moved to Montpelier, Vermont, which was about an hour or more up the road. But I knew when I went to work in the morning that if she had a problem, she'd know where to get help. Right. My mother. That's what I if, if she and she left me alone with the kids. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I'd be on the phone. Okay, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Well, I don't know. The only the only uh, disagreement we ever had. In regards to raising our kids, was um, she was into the psychological end. <laughs> she fed into the part where I mean, my son had ADHD, so <laughs> where I I I had made up my, my my opinion was back in the time of ADHD. Okay, that's okay, but you know, there's a there's. A, Renee didn't like to discipline the kids too much. Not physically at all. At all. No, no, but even to the point where at night. Um, I excused a lot of things. We're going to have dinner. Well, yeah, after this TV program's over. <laughs> um, in other words, and that bothered me to the point where because we're, we're letting someone else run our house, and that's the box and things like oh, that. So, um, so we, we disagreed on issues like that, but overall, uh, and then when she got involved with the Mormon church, that was a big, big disagreement uh, because by this time, my daughter's 14 years old and I'm saying to her, she was 12, 12 or 14. I'm saying to her, if you don't feel you want to do this, you don't have to. But uh, on the other hand, but that's not the issue we're talking about right now. No, but those, these are some of the issues we disagreed on, but we were pretty much, we agreed as far as parenting, except maybe discipline, but we agreed as far as parenting. We wanted things. our kids to live in a home where they were loved unconditionally, where, yes, things were different, and I had to do things differently, and so did he sometimes, and that maybe sometimes we were a crazy house. But on the other hand, I wanted them to feel totally loved, accepted, and I wanted to, them to feel totally, and I didn't want them to judge other people. And guess what? It worked out because my children do not judge other people. I don't know how adults, that happened. And I'm because, so grateful. Um, yeah. But coming from the family I came from. I was going to go there, yeah. Because there's a lot of judgment. There was a lot of judgment going on about how each other was raising their kids. Not so much from my side because I, well, first thing, we weren't around my family that much. But, um, like we would be at uh, my in-laws house on Sunday and if my kids needed some kind of correcting there was about four or five other people that would jump in and want to do that ahead of you well that is true <laughs> and that was 
And then my kids also got the, my oldest, my, my daughter, my oldest one, would get it from her grandfather saying, and, and now you're taking Oh, yeah, this was another hard like seven or eight this years was, old. This maybe. was another hard issue. Well, you need to help your mother. After all, she's blind. They put they, expectation they on put my oldest child uh, at three and four or five years old that were that that were scary. And, you know, my kids didn't really need that. That that was built in their psyche anyway. I raised them with. Progress. That happened with my stepchild. Huh? Then you understand. Yes. Yeah. So, so there was that kind of dynamic. But my my kids, you know, what my kids said to me though, uh, we we didn't move back to Vermont. Well, actually, we had moved out here. We went through, uh, we had moved back to Vermont and around the family again because I was offered a job insulating. I was going to do that. And so my two younger kids, uh, by this time, they're in high school. And they're kind of, you know, I'm not home after school. And they're kind of getting away with things because Renee don't drive. I mean, I'd catch up with them uh, in time. but uh, This was in the middle of the country. <laughs> but my kids told me something later on after they became adults. They said to me, and, and now keep in mind, we're in this little town of South Royalton, Vermont. The number of kids in my kids' class was about 40. They have a graduating class of like 30, 30 40 kids yeah. at, at tops. Mm -hmm. One thing my kids said to me, Mom and Dad, we didn't agree with you on some things, but we had one thing that a lot of our, and they met the majority of their friends, they said, when we came home at night, we had an intact household. That does mean a lot to kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and a good example of, of that misconception is I remember another member of my family got divorced after 15, 16 years. Their, their kids were teenagers. And they came to my mom and they said, uh, you know, we're getting divorced. And they said, the kids are okay with it. If my mother looked at him, she goes, really? She goes, what choice do they have? <laughs> and that's, you know, you, you've always heard the thing, well, stay together for the kids. And that's, you know, listen, if you're, if we have a knockdown, drag out fights and you're, it's a domestic nut house, then you got to. Amen. But, but, but there's always this thing, oh, the kids will be all right. They'll adjust. The kids are Kids don't have any choice but to adjust. What, you think the kids wake up some morning and say, well, you know, mom and dad have a little rough time. Let's, why don't they just go their own way and leave us alone? And maybe yeah. kids that do feel that way. But I think for the most part, the best thing for society is that we have a uh, intact homes because we, we have a whole generation, maybe two generations of kids who were raised in broken homes. And it's had an effect on us, you know? I mean, I, I don't know. You and know, I, and it's, it's not about what's right or wrong. One person's truth is different than another person's. But in our sense, in our family, we felt the kids were first and foremost. I mean, my son right now is going through this right now. He's, him and his, they never even got married. And he's got a little before. And he spends one weekend with her and one weekend uh, week on week off and we see the effects of it it's not good right it, it can be i mean it's as good as it can be expected on top of that we think this kid has some learning disabilities to deal with 
Um, well, and, we, and his dad and mom will deal with that. There's a situation where two people didn't get to know each other before they had a kid. All right, but that's not going to No, happen. no, but I mean, that's kind of what we're dealing with today. Right. Annabelle actually says that the newer and the newer generation has no patience and understanding towards each other. Oh my gosh, yes. No, one sure little uh, one little misunderstanding and they split right away. Yeah. In other words, you know, uh, and, and it sounds old-fashioned and it is old-fashioned, when you stand up and take that vow and he says, for better or for worse. <laughs> and that's what I tell Renee all the time now because, you know, we're in our older years and she has this interest in all this motivational speaking and stuff like that. And I'm kind of like, I'm not into that. She goes, I don't know what to do because we're so different. And I go, so what if we are? We'll get through it anyway. We can, we got, I got that sure. We got through 41 years being different. And counting. Listen, and that's what that woman just said about being tolerant. You have to tolerate your differences and make it acceptable. Right. And I think blame. I mean, I'm, 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 listen, I'm not so different from her that I'm going out, um, you know, committing murder every night for extra money or anything like that. I mean, that, oh, interesting. You know, oh, God, now the NSA is going to hear this call. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that lady's right. The, the, the younger generations, and it, and it started in my generation. I'm not going to put it off on the, on the generation after. Where did... We're the generation when we were raising our kids, every kid gets a star, every kid gets a prize, because we don't want, you know, we want the we want the, the, the field level. Well, they certainly didn't keep it level when it came to blind people or well, disabled. Not when people. we were kids. <laughs> when I'm talking the general sighted world, you know, when uh, when when Johnny was in first grade and he went and played basketball and if he if he was a disaster at it. They told him how good he was anyway, because that's what you, I mean, you don't want to beat down a kid's spirit, but after a while, as a kid gets older, there has to be an acceptance of, okay, you can't do that, but maybe you're better at this. You know? Yeah, you don't want to beat them down, but at the same time, you don't want to beat them a bunch of, either, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, don't, know, I don't know with this generation how they're raising their blind children. Tom Brady's not 44 children. years old playing football because he didn't know what he was doing. You know, I mean, and this is a whole different subject. We don't have to address yeah, today. To but I, I went to a school for blind children for nine years. He did not. I got the skills of blindness, the Braille. Uh, cane travel, we didn't do at a young age back then. Um, uh -huh. I probably remember. You didn't get a cane until you were like 15 or something. Yeah. And, but, but basically, I learned, and I was very fortunate to learn the skills that I needed. He didn't learn those skills. And consequently, that's affected a lot in our lives, uh, that I had that uh, advantage in a way. Mm -hmm. And so even though public schools are great, I still believe kids need to yep. go to a private school for a few years to get their ducks up. So the big question is, how do you guys handle disagreements? How do we handle disagreements? I mean, 40 years, we're human. So when we have a disagreement, well, we talk about it a little bit, and if we can't come to a consensus, we shelve it, or we we don't really have a formal way. Occasionally, we'll say bad things to each other, or or we throw daggers. We do all the stupid things yeah. that people do. There's there's no listen, there, there's no super couple here, but it's right. like I said earlier, she's into things that I'm not into. Mm -hmm. 
And she goes, well, we're so different. And she goes, well, what if I want to travel? I got, listen, if you want to travel and you need to go to a, I mean, obviously I'll come to some of these events where they're, because I'm her. He's not anxious. <laughs> no, but I'm her guide. I, 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 I'm, okay. She was president of the National Federation of Blind in Vermont. I wasn't into conventions and all that, but I was the guy that went with her. I was the guy that she'd say to me, I need you to get this to so-and-so or that or make a phone call for me. And I would do that kind of stuff. Well, I'm guilty as charged. Let's, for example. So you were her laptop, right? Thank you. But sitting in sitting in a, in a convention hall for three days, listening to blind people tell everybody how wonderful they are. Uh, I don't do that. It gets old after a while, and listen to, you know, then then they then they bring out the people from uh, oh David from Human Services. Uh, oh David, you know, from from the current administration. Okay, if there's new stuff, I find it interesting. I found the legislative process interesting. But, you know, we, we, we also learned that things happen slowly. But so for me to go sit there for three days and listen to <laughs> year after year, the same. Listen, when you're first around it, it's exciting. It's new and it's good. See, I'm not into all that either. Huh? <laughs> I'm not into all that either. No, me either. I mean, but I, I mean, listen, I like, you know what I'm I did? I'm semi-involved like, at this listen, point. Listen, when I did go with her for a couple of years, I'd meet people. So when I do go to these places, I might run into these people who feel the same way I do, by the way. Where do people hanging out in the lobby while all the speeches are going on having a good visit? You know? Right. I'm okay with that. But the, how, how, do we, how do we work out our differences? Uh, sometimes we avoid them. Yeah. But it's like I just said, like that one lady said about acceptance. So what if we have differences? We don't have, you know, this. I, I don't have the enthusiasm for something. So why does that have to be a problem? Because I get more upset than you about it. You're, you're, huh? I, I get more, I want it, you know, I, I have this vision of older years traveling around and seeing people and spending money on this and that and, and to going to, to dinner. Well, see, you're okay without, you're, I don't, well, I'm not. You're okay. Your attitude is if I don't have it, this is kind I'm of okay. Goes, and well, I'm not. But this kind of goes back to my oh, upbringing. Here we go again. No, no. This kind of goes back to my upbringing. Upbringing, uh, living on a farm. And by the way, we, we weren't a full-fledged dairy farm. My father was a welder mechanic and uh, held on to the land and we put crops away. But like most farming communities, like right now, their harvest is coming in and they're going to get paid for their crop. Mm -hmm. Right. And then after they pay their bills, there'll be some left over to live on. And by the way, by the 1st of January, they got to start borrowing money again for the plan for the next harvest. So mm -hmm. they might not get that new car or they might go without. I, I, we were kind of taught. Well, I don't want everything. We, we were kind of taught that if you don't really need it and you can go without <laughs> it, then that's what you have to do. And my attitude was always, well, I'll find a way or now, we'll work it out. <laughs> I, I, when, when I first met Renee, my, my father-in-law drove a cab. And he was the first one to say, hey, you know, you got to live within your means and all this stuff. <laughs> but he was a hardworking guy. And I says to him one day, I says, Dad, why do you, you know, you talk about things being tight. Why are you driving a Cadillac? And he says, that's the one luxury. And by the way, he, he hardly drove the thing. His wife drove it. My, my mom. You know, he'd go buy a bomber and drive around in it. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you know, I was 11 and 12 years old out in the street. He goes, I used to polish those Cadillacs for the dealers, the things, you know, where he grew up. 
and you said I swore to them if I could ever own one of those that's what you to him that and, and in that generation if you owned a catalog like that was like a status symbol like you arrived or you stepped up in society or something whatever you want to call yeah, it yeah I got you and that's why he did that could he afford it well if he couldn't really afford it he probably wouldn't have it but they made it work that was you know that was his pride that he could put his wife in a Cadillac, even though he drove God. I had a pinnel hatchback that, that was breaking down and I needed something better. So I got one. He drove that thing for another two years. There was a hole in the floor and everything. So to own that Cadillac so his wife could drive it, he sacrificed in other ways, you know, right. So that's what I meant by going without. Um, so, you know, see, it's, it's really difficult because I, I don't want if I can't to afford just, one vacation. I don't want vacation. I'm saying my attitude is we're going to figure out a way if we can afford, well, afford we'll figure it. Out work a way it out. Not, not, well, when people say that they say, right. well, we'll figure out a way. And in the end, if you put it on a credit card, well, that's not always what I do. The bank's going to come after you for it anyway. Okay. So, well, and I mean, totally and, a tight wad. he's not totally a tight one. Okay. He, no, but, but, I, but no. this is a disagreement. We've had our whole married life about priorities. And, you know, it's not, it's that, I look at life as, you know, uh, making lemonade out of lemons kind of thing. You know, being on an entitlement program doesn't entitle, <laughs> you, entitle you to a good lifestyle. Well, Annabelle offers Makes this sense. tip. A Annabelle what? Sorry? Annabelle offers this tip that she keeps silent and asks me to leave her alone, at which point later when she calms down, she comes back and we talk about it. That's very smart. That's kind of what we do. We kind of do it, but not always, because sometimes one of us are a little lit about something. But you know, the thing Can is, I? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not oh, going to. I'm not going to give up on a. I'm not going to give up on my marriage. Okay, he's getting older. He has medical issues. Oh, don't I, put that. On me. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. So you're is, staying with me for the medical. I got reduced by hundred right now. I'm I'm not leaving you a lot if something happens. I know all that. But anyway, um, I I but my I'm mother's not, 87. I'm shooting for the for okay, the big there you go. But uh, and I'm saying please, maybe not. Anyway, um, <laughs> I I I'm not going to give up. I'm, I know you're not, but you know I'm not giving up on a marriage. I would like to live by coastal. Here, there, there, back in New England, and then here in Utah. So I'd like to live by Coastal so I can be around my kids and grandkids. But I'm not giving up on something that took that 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 we've been together for almost 45 years, and and I don't. Um... Well, don't get me wrong. If I had if I had the means to to fly wherever I wanted to and be, oh, maybe be over in Rhode Island for a couple months, uh, and then maybe live in Arizona or Florida in the wintertime and, and back here to my home base in Utah. Hey, I'd be okay with that as long as I can afford it. But um, not so much if if I got to borrow for it. So would you say that you're a very Spartan man as opposed to her luxurious feeling? Well, yeah, I'm not luxurious. I don't I'm think just... she's luxurious. No. I think... I think there's also a bit about keeping up with other members of the family that maybe are better. All right, but, but I'd rather invest in programs and psychology and, and conferences, and I'd rather invest in my mind and, and growing than I would in furniture or, or getting three houses. So it's okay. 
Okay, you know what? As a counselor, I have the need to completely analyze you for that. Thank you. <laughs> but I'm not going to. I'm just going to say, I mean, it seems like the two of you had, have a lot in common in terms of way of thinking. Except one is emotional, whereas the other mm -hmm. one is more pragmatic. That's right. And that's been, a, that, that, that has always been the way, except when we were first married, it didn't seem to feel that way. Cause but I it balances out. I it, was busy you know. raising the kids and being a mom and, and, and a community person. And, you know, so, but now in the older years, and, but people have to decide how much they're able to put up with and how much they're able to cope with. And I, I'm right. not giving up on this. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I have days where I'm like, oh, but I understand that because of him, he was the best dad in the world to my kids and grandkids. He just adores those grandkids. And he is such a kind man. He takes care of my grandson, Ivan, sometimes where I'm busy doing other projects and different things because it's easier for him to do that because Ivan doesn't come really close to well, we're not sure what's going on with Ivan there might be some autism we're not sure but with Ivan he, he has trouble with certain people I'm one of those people but not with his grandfather oh my god he just eats his grandfather up and mm -hmm. so David has a kindness about him and his other grandchildren just think he's you know everything right. and his kids too and that's why I can't go to his kids and say, rah, 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 because they're, they're his kids they love him in a different way than I did. Right. They care in a different way. So I think there has to be a lot of compromise and there has to be the willingness yeah. to compromise. And, and you know, nothing's perfect. And there's been a blindness that's gotten between us. I mean, let's be honest with you. Things don't run smoothly. I, I'm at the point now where I can't tell a can of food from a box of cereal. You know what I'm saying? So, so I do depend on him a lot for physical things. I right. hope I'm there emotionally for him, but I'm not sure he needs it. <laughs> he's, he's What's on top of everything? He's six foot three and he can reach things you can't. Oh, uh, yeah. He's like six foot three, six foot four. He's, yeah. And I'm only five feet. Yeah, exactly. So it is very interesting. <laughs> but uh, I guess what my whole point to the conversation is you really have to pick and choose and you have to decide. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, I'd like to run away sometimes. But where am I going to run? And if I do run, you know, and listen, I'm with a good person. I'm with a caring, loving person. How much can you ask for out of life? Sometimes. Well, do you think that way when you guys have arguments? No. No. I want to kick him. Right. But he's never touched me. <laughs> he's never touched you. Right. No, okay. We've never gone. No, no, we don't. No. But, oh, I, I will yell at him once in a while. He'll swear at me a little bit and I'll get mad and puff off. Right, you know, right. But no. Well, we, you're from New England, of course. No, you we're are. from New England, and I came from people who swore. <laughs> but anyway, that's another issue. But but basically, what I'm saying to everybody is, it's a personality thing. It's a person thing. The blindness, the disability, the differences do come in, and they do affect life. I mean, let's be real. I would love to go away on a Sunday afternoon, get in the car, and just travel go for the day yeah there's a mm -hmm. lot of things that we can't do that i i just die to do especially since covid's been here i've been stuck in the house for two years almost like a lot of us i'm and telling you yeah yeah and so so believe me there's a lot of things but on the other hand 
people always say to me, and I don't always understand it because I'm looking at what we're not compatible with or what we're not agreeing on. And they're saying to me, but you guys are so lucky. And I'm like, why? And they're like, you just are. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, and I know it, but I don't know it, if you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I don't want to meet another man. I don't want another relationship. I don't want another, but I do want the ability to be me internally, externally, whatever, and not apologize or feel guilty or shamed. And that's right. what I'm all about with people. When I, when I educate, when I counsel, when I coach, whatever I do is be your authentic self without giving up your truth to others, but don't be nasty and mean and angry and hospitable all the time because that doesn't help anybody. Now I want to get to the very important thing here (laughs) because a six foot three man and a five foot woman. Uh Oh, I mean, how the hell does bed work for you guys? How did it work? Well, you're laying down, so it's <laughs> <laughs> somehow it would fit your, together. Uh, at least I mean, not at that, that listen, time. <laughs> if things had to be done vertically, yeah, I could say that. Uh, but oh, you've tried. Come on, use your. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what kind of what kind of comments you getting on that one? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, because this is supposed to be about sex, and you know, no, we haven't gotten any comments, thank God. It looks ahead. like we haven't pissed anybody off yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, isn't that strange? No, we didn't. No, it was we didn't we didn't go waltzing. So oh my god, we couldn't dance together. It was terrible. But dancing was. I bet it was for oh, real. I put my arms on his neck, and I'd be down. We have wedding pictures of me below his armpit with my hat my wedding hat on now is it it can what one or whatever no i'm five feet can i can i assume you didn't have to worry of whether you had to wear high heels or anything oh hell no i don't wear high heels maybe a maybe an inch or so you know it's funny because you talk about that one my now my daughter my oldest daughter is quite my my girls are five foot nine and like five believe me they're not five feet like me but when she was in the seventh and eighth grade when they start becoming aware of boys, and of course the girls grow faster than boys at that point, she wouldn't wear any kind of heels because she was taller than the boys. Oh wow! Yeah. 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 yeah my my girls are blondes, and my well, at least they used to be, and and my son is a redhead. So. And it's so funny because I'm only five feet tall, and none of them took after me. My son the most, and he's, which, he's still five eleven, five twelve. Which one of you has red hair though? None of us. Because oh. side of the we family, got relatives. Though. I got a cousin. Yeah, but I had tons of relatives. There's red jeans on both sides. Right, so right. right. But no, but right. he, it came from my side, I think. And my, um, it, it's, it's darker now, but he was born, when he was born, I never expected to have a boy. And when he was delivered, I looked at him and go, oh, you silly little boy. I didn't know what I was going to do with him so because I, I was dramatic. And because I, I, I wanted girls. So when my son was born, I was like, but we fell in love with each other. And he's my. You stuck by him. Well, of oh, yeah. course, he's my son. And I, I just adore yeah. him. But I was the one who babied him. Right. I wasn't trying to make him into a man. <laughs> you know? uh, okay, wait. Let's let's go a step further. I mean, I was I and my wife have very different views on sexuality. Okay. 
And so when it came to talking to my daughter about these things, I was more open about it, whereas she was more conservative. Was that part of her culture or just the way she is? Uh, it's part of her culture. Right. What is her uh, ethnicity? I'm sorry? What is her ethnicity? Filipino. Okay. Roman Catholic. Yeah. So, right. I mean, did you guys have the same ideas about sex in terms of your kids? I Not mean, really, because except that I was the one that wouldn't really want to explain. I, I, she was from the Roman Catholic family, but by that time, God, they were Roman Catholic in name only as far as the younger generation. Things pretty much were open. We, um, we, you know, that was one of the, the things that we never really struggled with was was talking about it or or whatever because I don't know why we just didn't. That's one thing we didn't. We that was the subject at the time was should we have sex before marriage? Mm -hmm. But which everybody did, but they didn't talk about. It. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. True. But the thing is, we did. Well, you weren't supposed to. Oh, stop it. Oh, <laughs> put the guilt and shame on me again. Anyway, but the thing is, we, um, that just came naturally, that part of our relationship. You didn't have to figure it out. No. Yeah. And that, I mean, yeah, that's what. It just came naturally until we started getting in trouble because people were putting things on us and telling us this and that. And we were. You know, I was the one with the guilt and the shame. I don't know if he had, if he's ever had any, but um, it was it was just a natural part of our relationship as a younger person. And uh, I got to tell you a funny story. On Sunday afternoons, we'd go into the bedroom and we'd go into the bedroom to spend some time alone. This is my kids got to be 12, 13, 15, something like that. And so they'd be knocking at the door, Mom, Dad, what are you doing? And we'd say, Well, we're reading. Because we, we both had uh, recorders and, you know, whatever. But I, I you know. And they they figured out we weren't reading. Well, it became a joke. But anyway. So then they go, said, said, so then when somebody asked, hey, mom and dad, you're going to go in and read? You know? Yeah. And yeah, so, they were on, they were on to it. So, my, so my, my friend, my friend Barbara. So we were joking at the table one day. We used to make all kinds of jokes. And Barbara. Barbara was sitting there and she says, I know how David punishes Renee. And we went, what? He says, he, he takes her braille and irons it. No, I. No, oh, my God. I read to her. Is that what you read to her? I well, thought she said it. She said yeah, it to yeah, me. Yeah, it wasn't about a sex thing. It wasn't no, about, not sex. It just no, had to do with. I says, I said to Barbara, I go, yeah, when I get mad, I fix her. She goes, what are you? I says, I take a steam iron to her braille books. That's what he said. <laughs> And she was drinking coffee, and I think she almost lost it or something. I mean, when I spoke to my daughter about it sex, I, yeah. my yeah. daughter was much more embarrassed than I was. Oh, I bet she was. I mean, I mean, it didn't help that I I, I offered to take her to a sex store. So, oh my God, you are really liberal. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. I am. I'm. I'm I didn't. I didn't want her to grow up having to learn about sex the way I did on the streets, out of Playboy magazines and stuff like that. I'm not that liberal. So David. I, I, I wanted her to know everything, what she needed to know before she goes out there in the world and, and gets, well, you know, yeah, yeah. Literally fucked. And I didn't you want that to happen. Word to me is, because I'm old. 
Yeah, well, that too. I mean, okay. they all think, I mean, <laughs> let's face it. Originally. Oh, why are you like that, Dad? You're so old. No, but, you know, if you're true to yourself and that's the way you feel, that's great. I, I just myself are, I'm a little prudish. I have sisters that tell so much stuff and I'm just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to. But, um, but my, uh, you know, it, it, it's generational, but it's also my particular set of genes, you know, my particular yeah. set of what I was taught was right and wrong. I'm not to the, I'm not a prude as far as uh, a lot of things, though. I, I'm True. limited. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I've been always been open about sexuality, uh, my own and, well, other people's too. What about you, Monica? Uh, about sexuality yeah uh, I, I'm pretty open about it but I it took me a while to get there well, right yeah but I don't want to be offensive and I also don't want to be untruthful right so I mean you know with our with the next generation with our kids my kids are a lot more open about stuff than I was but that's okay and that's the way they are and Every once in a while, they'll get me in a corner and they'll start telling me a little bit of here and there and the other. And I'll be like, and they're like, oh, we can't wait to get mom's reaction because we know she's well, that's gonna... what it's about. Your yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. And oh, my God, they could come on and tell you so many blind stories and stories about things that happen in their lives. And oh, my gosh. Right. You know, related to you know having parents with disabilities and stuff and and i think the one that struggles with it the most is my oldest daughter my other two don't seem to struggle as bad with having not that she really struggles but there's something deep inside of her that i think she felt she lacked in life because she had disabled parents where my other two they don't give a hoot <laughs> they're who they are they don't care <laughs> and so it's really interesting the way that children children react when their parents have special needs or when their household is a household with certain things in it that other households may not have now when, is this is this like the psychologist in you talking or is this yeah, the mom talking? It's, well, it's both because, right. because I, I i wish i could have been because i know there's things that my daughter mary feels that she's able to not to give to her children but not just provide to the for them but she's able to have in their lives that we found it very difficult to do, you know, like going for a ride in the car on a Sunday afternoon and, and, yeah. and making sure there were certain things, visual things. You know, we can say that's not important, but it was kind of important in a way. I mean, I cooked up a storm and I fed them well, but I wasn't much into the aesthetics. Yeah. A couple of pictures on the wall and some uh, curtains and stuff, but mostly I had other people do it for hang it up for me. That wasn't my priority. However, my daughter, I get you. My daughter Mary, my oldest daughter Mary Elizabeth is her name. Her home is beautiful. Oh my god, it's so coordinated, and it's so she she takes after a lot like my mom and a few of my siblings and David's siblings. But she she has pride in how her home looks. Right. You know, so there's something within her, and she's very visual. Uh, and but my grandchildren, I don't know about Ivan, we're still working on Ivan, but my other grandchildren, my other three grandchildren, they love me unconditionally and love their grandpa unconditionally. 
Yeah. They want to come over and have nut sleepovers, and they want to play games with us and watch TV with us and tell us jokes. We're very comfortable. Right from the very beginning, the one thing I did was, until my daughter Megan was a little older, until she was two and three years old, I tried not to be blind. I think a lot of us go through that. We try to do things like everybody else. Well, by the yeah. time Megan came along, and I went through the period of time where I was totally like uh, through with it all, and I had gone through that terrible period of being depressed and and being just so, so out of it, mm-hmm. that I, I finally decided enough's enough. Nobody will ever take anything like that away from me again or tell me I have to do something because they feel it's what I have to do. So I began to accept that reality in my 30s. And I would t- she'd take a picture and bring it home from school and she'd put my hands on it and she'd say, Mom, touch this. Look at this. And she'd take my hands and show me things. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that with the other two as much, at least not with the oldest child. My stepson right. did that. We Yeah. And and I went some through some of the same things that you're talking about when I was raising him, you know. I'd, I wanted to do everything right. And I, at first, I didn't want to do the blind thing any more than I had to. Mm-hmm. Of course, I ended up having to a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, it. it uh, I understand what you're talking about. Well, I mean. I'm, we've come around, and now with my grandchildren, they just take it for granted. I don't Ivan. Ivan's not there. But the other three, and then I have a couple step-grandchildren. They take it for granted that that's the way Mimi and Grandpa are. That's the way my Mimi is. And uh, I just, we just love each other to death. And right. I don't even see them as much as I want to, but that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah. Another day. Well, but- we are just at about an hour and a half, just under an hour and a half. <laughs> I told you. I think we should wrap <laughs> things up, but I want to leave with, I mean, some good advice. I mean, David, if you had to give one piece of advice to new couples out there, what would you tell them? He just went in the bathroom. <laughs> well, that's awful. Okay. Uh, well, well, let's start with you, you, Renee. Well, I would... One piece of advice. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah, I know. I talked for an hour and a half here. Um, I would tell them, first of all, to learn their own truth and what's important and what matters. And when they meet somebody or they're desiring to meet somebody to really look hard and deep at themselves, but also really uh, get beyond the honeymoon period of that first six months or year where you're just totally enamored with each other and you're all over each other. You know, it's a long life. It goes a long way. So I would tell people not just their own truth, but people have to be empathic and honest with each other in a relationship, even if it doesn't feel funny feel good or, or, or they can't agree or they don't always understand why. Right. So that's my piece of advice to people is, is please be honest with yourself and, but also love people and be empathetic and, and, and give them the doubt. You see, I'm one of those people that I'll give everybody the doubt and I'll give, uh, 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 David gets upset because he's more black and white and I'm more, Everybody, you got some gray areas. <laughs> I, I'm gonna give everybody a chance and, and be be grateful and be honest and be loving and be and so and sometimes he's just enough's enough, you know. Yeah, this is the way it is. 
And so that's that's been a long thing with us. But basically, I think he would tell people get to know each other. And yeah. and, and that. But, um, but what happens when you think you know them? Know. And then their true colors come out. I know. And that often happens. I mean, we, we've had that, too, for all these years. You know, I'd love, uh, I guess you got you to balance it out. What do you do? You balance it out and decide whether it's worth living with and whether you can cope with it and the person can deal with you and you can deal with them. Right. And, and, and you know, I don't know. Some days we're fine. Other days we're we're not so fine, but we stay out of each other's way. And 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 I do go through my periods where I'm like, I've had enough. But yeah. he is so steady and he is so down to earth. He's the one in the house fixing things and doing this and doing that because I don't care about I it. I like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's something to be grateful for. Today he was worried about the toilet not working. Yeah. No, understandably. Where I'd rather be worried about the human race. Right, right. Something else. So, Monica, what would you tell everyone? Huh, I'm not sure I qualify. Oh, stop! Well, of course you do. <laughs> I mean, look at my record. Well, I mean, if anything, seven marriages makes you an expert. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I really uh, the thing that I learned um, is get to know the person as well as you can watch out for the little things uh, learn from the little things that that you know seem just like subtle and seem like nothing but um, they can really be something in the long run David yeah what what would you like to and and she has one question she's answering then it's your turn sorry oh I'm um, sorry, I interrupted you. You know, but I, I would say, you know, just get get to know the person really well. Watch for subtle signs of things that might be something that you might have a hard time living with. Um, and so when you when you do get married, do do your best to compromise. Uh, don't. You don't nag about every little thing. And then one of the problems that I had was sometimes I can, I can become so angry that I need to close myself off for a little while and not be bothered. But um, a couple of the characters that I was married to didn't want to let that happen they would come barging in the bedroom while I was trying to cool down. And then I would end up storming at them and saying a bunch of things that mm-hmm. shouldn't have been said. Right. He's, he's like that than me. I'm more emotional. Yeah. He's more black and white. Yeah. And if he's angry, you know it. Yeah. I and mean, I don't David. Know his anger. Because I'm not an angry. When I get angry, I hate it. I'd rather be sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, David, I hate getting what, angry. It David? takes too much out of you. I know. Hey, David? What's your question? What's the piece of advice you would give new couples these days? Um, get to know each other yeah. better. Wow. She really knows you. <laughs> what? 
Renee really knows you. <laughs> well, it, listen, you don't have to get to know somebody really well to have sex. So if that's someone's definition of knowing someone, I'm sorry, that's only... I bet it. I agree. Thing. Uh, I'm talking about maybe how you feel about politics, maybe how you feel about religion, maybe how you feel just about how you, your upbringing ought to be or was or whatever. Yeah, talk. So my <laughs> advice is get to know the person, but expect to tolerate differences. Yes. Now, that's, one thing. That's, that's only one thing. Now, I found out throughout my marriage that if I didn't speak up and say, no, I don't agree <laughs> with that, there are certain dominating people that take that as an agreement. So you do have to... <laughs> Make yourself known as to what you agree to, or what. And you do. Yeah. Now you do. <laughs> no, no, because prior to this, all my life, it's like I remember. I didn't know I was moving to. I didn't know I was moving to Utah one time until my mom lost says, "I hear you're moving to Utah," and I go, "Really? Huh? <laughs> we had talked about Utah, but I didn't know we were at." Um, because Renee has always had this force behind her, which was called her dominating family. <laughs> and, and they're good people and all that, but I'm saying Renee knew enough to line up the troops in case I wasn't happy. And uh, now I'm one of these people that I don't listen, I, I didn't want to move out to Utah. I was happy in Vermont. Hell, I was happy in Albany, New York. You were no. happy on the farm. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the wife. But the deal is once I'm in a place, I adapt to that and make the best of it and so like she wants to move back to rhode island well i could move back to rhode island tomorrow i, I could agree with that but i but i've moved enough throughout my life so i say we can go visit there that's a compromise um but my family yeah here. <laughs> see i, I don't want to move says, i don't want to no, move that's the family you were born into <laughs> yeah anyway so well, my, my whole point is you got to get to know, I mean, if you're going to commit to a long-term marriage and some people don't, some people don't define marriage as a long-term commitment anymore. It's about it's five a, minutes. You know, we're getting together <laughs> because we can, uh, we can file jointly on the taxes or whatever. I, I don't know whatever reason people think today, but, um, you know, if you want to just be together to um, to enjoy each other's company, well, that's called dating. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I've been married for almost 20 years, and I've been together with her for about 22 years. Yeah. So that's a that's a that's two people that have found a way to exist together. Marriage or no marriage, but the marriage certainly works, and you two must have a way of, you know, yeah, agreeing and disagreeing without tearing each other apart. Well, I mean, I my advice is to communicate and never settle. Mm -hmm. Never settle, whether it's for sex, whether it's for love, whether it's for marriage, uh, whether it's to get a donut at the coffee shop. Never settle and communicate with your partner. Define never settle. Never settle for something you just have to get. 
you get what you want to get, what you need to get. Okay. A lot of people nowadays tend to marry the people they're with because they think they'll never do any better. Exactly. And yep. they tend to say, well, you know what? I'm going to settle for this person because I'm afraid I may not have anyone in the future. Or they settle because they can't have the one they want. That too. <laughs> and yeah. that doesn't work out too good. Do you think yeah. there's also a situation with young people, and, and, and it was in my generation too, where, um, you know, you get beyond your teens, you get into your early 20s or whether you're in college or a career, but the years start to march by and you're not settled with a mate yet, that people tend to feel pressured. Exactly. Well, they, used they have to, to have a mate because that's going to define their life or or they're going to be judged differently because they don't have a mate. I don't think it's so much pressure now as it is loneliness. People yeah, that's tend a whole, to... Issue. And well, a lot they, of people with disabilities and people with different uh, issues they deal with are, can be quite lonely. And and it really can make a difference. And it really, it really, yeah, filling up your cup, but not at the expense of yourself or others. Right. There's people who never get married who aren't lonely. Yeah, there are. You know? Well, I have two sisters. One that never got married. The mm -hmm. other one, the marriage lasted seven years, and she never remarried. She said she wasn't going to babysit a man. Okay. <laughs> right. She's not all right for herself. She's a world traveler at times. See, if I wasn't with um, David, I wouldn't But I think she had to go through a marriage to figure that out, baby. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I would desire to be married. Yeah. I, I have no desire. I don't think I would get married again. I mean, of course, I'm 70 now, but I think even if if things hadn't worked out in my late 40s, or I probably would not have gotten married again. Right. I don't know. I You know, you never say never either. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think <laughs> I can safely say that we are getting more popular as the days go by because we just got our first trolling comment. Uh-oh. What's a trolling comment? Uh, some guy who's got nothing better to do but offers stupid and in inane things to say on videos. And what was that? Well, dad. this guy apparently, uh, Patrick Scott, I don't know if he was trying to hide his name. Hi, Pat. Yeah, What's he says, hey, I'm the guy who posted the video where I fart too much. And what is it? What? And have taken a picture and they stand in a thong and people make fun of me. Oh, my goodness. That absolutely has nothing to do with the content. Uh, he, no. just, he just wants to be an asshole. So okay. I let it's him just go. Like you know, fame. God help him, but that's up to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're on a slippery slope when you start talking about relationships. Yeah. I don't think that had anything to do with a relationship. No, no I don't think so either. Or trying to well, at least I know someone's yeah, just a guy with a weird sense of humor, man. And what, yeah. what it is, well, you never there know. There is somebody listening, and uh, you know, if I could on the net and start doing some other things that we, that uh, we've talked about, which you don't have to talk about now. Uh, yeah. If he's in the thong selling business, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Well, Renee, I I'm gonna address this to you because I don
Oh, come on. But <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, uh, uh, I have friends who say I'm crazy, but they still yeah, like but me. I do too. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I, I've, I've married, I've had five husbands, uh -huh. two of them I married twice. Um, okay. Sometime I'll tell you about that, but it was. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk to you privately. Uh, but the thing is, I still want someone in my life. I don't have to be married to them. But do you think that's unusual? But, I don't. Especially as we get older. Yeah. Um, we only have so many years remaining. Who knows? You could have 30. But I'm saying we only have so many years. You could have 40. We have so many years remaining. And sometimes it gets to the point when our life changes or when our circumstance and situation changes. Yeah. You know, it, I have my one of my best friends in Massachusetts. I mentioned her name, Marie. She's 67, maybe 68. And she never married. She's had a couple of relationships, but never married, never had kids. And it, it and she says to me all the time, Renee, you're so lucky that you have David and your family and your kids and your grandkids. You need to appreciate things more because some of us don't have we might have relatives, we might have a couple good girlfriends, but we don't have somebody to count on. To share, yeah. And, yeah, and she, and you know, and she, and she said this, she says this to me a lot, because I'm always, rah, 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 and this and that, we did this, rah, rah, we didn't, and, and, you know, and she's like, Renee, I come from a very different perspective. I'm an educated woman with a master's degree, and I've had a good career, and I'm blind. I haven't made a ton of money from the jobs I've had, but I've, they've been very enjoyable and I'm retired now, still working part-time a little here and there. And she said, you know, you had something that I never could grasp or could, could, could find. And, you know, I need to think about that once in a while because she's right. Wherever I go, whatever I do, you know, and so... Yeah, I think you know loneliness is a really hard thing to come to grips with, especially as we get older and we start depending on people more and needing them. And as we get into our 70s and 80s and medically we need people around us and for other reasons, it's got to be a really difficult default. And and, and I, I, I wish I had the answers for you, but it's not unusual to want to be loved and cared about and be wanted and want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Well, you know, I'm not going to reach out there and, and, and grab just anybody. I'm not, you know, I, I have settled before and that's wrong. I mean, you know, just, you learn, see, isn't yeah, learn. learning process? Part of the learning process is learning from whatever happens. And I'm grateful enough to say that most of the time I have learned here and there. So I'm very grateful and blessed. And, and I think you are too. Because you learned a lot. And you know, when you, you understand a lot more about you and about men and life and relationships and, and you're ahead of the game. And mm -hmm. on that note, I would like to thank my guests, David and Renee. Uh, Pav, Pav, Pav shit. Pavlis. <laughs> Pavlis. I'm sorry. It just, it just slipped off the tongue there oh, for a second. Of Pav Think of Pavlov's dog. That's okay. Your name Ray is good enough. We don't need the NSA coming with him. <laughs> I also want to thank uh, Laura Kavanaugh for watching and Annabelle for commenting as she did.
And uh, Noel, I think I'm pronouncing your name well, Caliente or? Calianta, sorry. Uh, Noel Calianta, who is what? Is she in the Philippines? No, she's in the States. Oh, she's in the States. Okay. Well, welcome, Noel. Thank you. And of course, Patrick Scoffgard. Uh, apparently, I mispronounced his name. It is not Patrick Scott. So, our troll's name is Patrick Scarfgard. So where can they find us if they want to listen to this or if I want to publish it or I mean on, about on it. well like I said we are available on YouTube on our uh whose blind life is it anyway uh Facebook page and on Twitter at blind who's and of course on every podcast catcher out there including the chick with two A's in her name yeah Oh, okay. You just yeah. tell her, Alexa, play Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway podcast. Because I'm going to, I mean, unless you disagree with me, I'm going to let a lot of my groups know. <laughs> okay. Uh, and well, see she's welcome playing them. it. <laughs> Alexa, stop. <laughs> yeah. I was actually surprised when I found her on her, on, on, on Alexa. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that means we're on the Audible podcast as well, but uh, I'll have to find out one of these days. A lot of us read Audible books. Mm-hmm. So, again, thank you, David and Renee pa Pavlis, for joining us on the program today. Uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful continued marriage, and uh, I hope you enjoy your grandkids for as long as they live, and you live. That's and great. Right. And some yeah. great grandkids. Yeah. Well, someday, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I want to thank my co-host, Monica, who, without her, this show would probably be better. But, hey, who knows? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> in any case, thanks for watching, folks. I'll fix uh, you for that. <laughs> I'm sure you will. You'll probably tell Annabelle to beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, guys, thank you for joining us, and uh, we will see you guys next week on Snap. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, um, um, the whatchamacallit. Um, I lost her 